the Oxford Centre for Triple Value Healthcare, otherwise known as 3V, scans over 30 journals seeking out important papers on value. To save you time, 3V assesses this research to identify the implications for value-based healthcare and summarizes them on our blogs and in our podcasts. This week, we are going through our issue of the month for December, and we're looking at an important paper that was published in The Lancet, looking at the changes in health in the countries of the UK and 150 English local authority areas, 1990 to 2016. This is an important uh, paper because it has broad implications for the way we design and uh, where we commission and where we focus our efforts in healthcare. I'm glad that we've got uh, one of my colleagues with me today, Erica Eisen. Erica, uh, amongst uh, one, of, one of her many attributes, has previously worked on the global burden of disease and so is an expert uh, who is able to take us through what the importance of this paper is for us. So, Erica, um, burden disease sounds uh, awful, uh, but so, so when, when we look at this paper, what are we reading about? What is it telling us? Well, the burden of disease is measured in DALIS, um, a measurement I think most health professionals are cognizant of. It comprises years of life lost, which is really looking at mortality, and also years lived with a disability, which is mainly looking at morbidity. So the burden of disease is comprised of how people are dying and also then the morbidity they experience, such as uh, long-term conditions, musculoskeletal, diabetes, that sort of thing. So uh, it's a complex model that is run that uses as much real data as possible from all the countries involved, but there is some data that is effectively constructed where data is missing or data is used from papers published in the literature. So um, this particular paper is focusing on the UK uh, and the 150 English local authorities, but the the overall project is a a global one, as, as implied, is that right? Yes, it is. It's run by the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation in Seattle, which is part of the University of Washington. Uh, The Global Burden of Disease project is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and they are particularly interested in the burden of disease in sub-Saharan Africa. But um, the project works with all countries in the world because some of the data from countries with developed economies who maybe have better uh, health surveillance systems is used to construct the data for countries with developing economies that may not have such good health surveillance data systems. Thanks. So now this paper really focuses on the UK burden of disease. And you've worked on previous uh, versions of this, and you, you, so you're very familiar with previous versions, and obviously you've gone through this, the, the current uh, paper and, and the general publications. What did you notice in this? I think from this paper, um, there are two main strands that I'd like to emphasise. One is that the burden of disease in England 
which has the largest of the populations of the four home nations. The burden of disease in England is now mainly from morbidity, um, and the, the most... Um, the greatest burden, rather, uh, is generated by low back and neck pain, um, musculoskeletal disorders. Uh, so this shift between the burden of disease, the balance between the effect uh, from mortality and the effect from morbidity, uh, first began in around 2003 in England, but by 2016, uh, which is the end date of this particular study, uh, it has become very marked, the shift in the balance between more mortality and morbidity. So we'll come back to England. That's, that is an interesting trend, isn't it? Uh, just tell us about the other three home con countries. Well, the, that shift between morbidity and mortality um, also is true for both Wales and Northern Ireland. Uh, what is noticeable about the Northern Ireland data is um, the leading cause of morbidity in Northern Ireland is anxiety. Uh, the authors postulate that this is a result of the socio-economic uh, legacy of the Troubles. I also do do a lot of work in Northern Ireland, and that is something that locally there's been uh, increasing study on, and that may lead to looking at adverse childhood events, uh, particularly related to the Troubles. So I think that's an interesting finding. The only country where uh, years of life lost is still... Uh, dominant as a burden of disease is Scotland, where the effect of mortality from various conditions is greater than the effect of morbidity from long-term conditions. And do the authors speculate why that might be in Scotland? Not in any great depth, no. The other strand of work in the paper is looking at the burden of disease at the level of upper-tier local authorities in England, uh, where I think very excitingly they try to look at the burden of disease in relation to deprivation. And what does it tell us? Is there anything we can learn from that? Uh, well, it, it tells us what I think we're aware of, that... Uh, People who are living in the most deprived areas have the greatest burden of disease. But I think the exciting thing about um, this paper is this does mean you can look at your own specific population. It's not generalised. So at an upper-tier local authority level, you can look at the burden of disease that you have to deal with and therefore plan appropriately on that basis rather than using what up until now has either been national or subnational data. Going down to local authority level, I think this then becomes more powerful data in order to look at the value um, the health service and other partners involved in health and social care are achieving for their local populations. So that brings me on probably to the, the, the final bits um, you've led into that. So is, is, is obviously why this is important, and you've already started to hint yeah. at that in terms of, um, uh, I think you've hinted both in terms of the trend, the mm -hmm. change in um, uh, morbidity and mortality, and you've also hinted at the, um, the fact that this is at a more granular level. So if you were in charge of... Um, uh, an STP or whatever, or a health system or a health board, what would you be taking this away from this? 
I think the main thing um, I would like to look at is exactly what is affecting my population. I would like to triangulate what's coming out of the model, because in the end, global burden of disease is a model. Um, and although England ha has very good data, uh, there is some data in there that may be more general from general databases. Uh, I would triangulate it with local data that I had and see where there were some discrepancies. But ultimately, I, I would use it to examine how much unmet need we might have in the population, which might hint at the underuse of effective interventions, which would mean that there was inequity in the system. Uh, I think one could also use it to look at whether there was overuse in, in the local area of certain things. Uh, so I also think that if we are going to be able to shift resources to increase the value we get um, from what the NHS and its partners do, then the global burden of disease data could be a powerful additional evidence base in association with you know, good quality local data in order to justify or, I don't know, ascertain more accurately where we could shift resources, where we have lower value interventions in the system and how we could shift those into uh, higher value interventions for the conditions where we have the greatest burden of disease. Uh, you see, I'm not sure, for instance, if we take the fact that the leading cause of m morbidity in England is low back and neck pain, are we actually putting the resources into tackling that problem, given that it's such a large burden, uh, compared with other things we, we may be investing more resource in? I don't know, but I think that it's quite interesting that low back and neck pain, for instance, comes out top. If you'd have asked me, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, indeed. And, I, and, and uh, when you and I have talked about this, that's, that's exactly the surprise I got mm. uh, about that. So, in conclusion, then, um, thank you, Eric. That's been really helpful, and, you know, particularly because of your uh, previous work with this, and you, that's brought a, an additional insight. So, uh, here at the Oxford Centre for Triple Valley Healthcare, we think this is a very important paper. It starts to give you clues as to what you should be doing if you're interested in increasing population value, and in turn, of course, increasing personal value. Um, as Eric has outlined, this is an extra piece of evidence, some more data that will help you make better decision-making mm -hmm. uh, to a uh, great uh, higher value. Thank you very much. Thanks, Erica. Thank you. If you want to stay informed about important developments in value-based healthcare, you can subscribe by joining our mailing list at www.3vh.org.